0: Selling Studios, powered by RumbleOn.com. It's time to take you behind the scenes in Smashville. Cuts across, he scores! This is the Preds' official podcast with Thomas Willis and Brooks Bratton. powerful move from back of the net. On Smashville's best sports talk. ESPN. 102.5 The Game.
1: Episode 57 of the Predators official podcast here on ESPN 1025 the game streaming on the game Nashville app and wherever you find this your favorite podcast Brooks Bratton and Thomas Willis back alongside you for another rousing edition of the POP as we said it's episode 57 it's the second time that I have accidentally blown out my eardrums to start the show but we're plowing along it's great to be back in Nashville just landed what an hour ago or so Straight from the plane, right here to the studio, we're getting things
0: done. It feels good to be back. We've got local hero, Calvin Smith, behind the controls. All three of us are in the same room. It feels like we're really going to put together a good show. Calvin and I are still mourning over the uh, Atlanta Braves misfortunes in the postseason. I forgot the baseball season was still going on, yes, so that's yes, where I'm at. The but
1: World Series is on on the horizon. Yes, in November. In November. No, well, as, and we were saying, too, like, I watch the Braves all summer long, and then hockey comes. It's like, oh, yes, hockey. Sorry, hmm. baseball. Hmm. Hmm. But here we are. Here we are. It's, coming- good, it's good to be back, too. Like, it, I mean. Yeah, that was a long one. You but were uh, only three games. It's three, pretty spaced out. Three games, but yeah, over three games over the course of seven days. Like, that's a long time. And you know me; it's October. Like I want nice temperatures. It was ninety-five degrees in Phoenix.
0: That's the trip you want in January, yes. not necessarily when Tennessee finally changes to fall while yes. you're gone. So you've missed that. Correct. It's been a nice week of so autumn. I'm really. I'm wearing a sweater right uh, now. You're wearing a sweater. I'm pretty jealous. I'm ready
1: to take the sweaters out from under my bed this weekend. So
0: yeah, that, that is on the docket. There you go. What else is on the docket for this uh, episode fifty-seven of the show? We have an interview with Predators forward Mikhail Granlund in the next segment. The Preds, of course, have just completed their first road trip of the season going 1-2. and A win over the Vegas Golden Knights. Losses to the Los Angeles Kings and Arizona Coyotes. A giveaway. It's back in the mix. We've got a Ryan Johansson autographed mini helmet. We know you guys love the mini helmet, so we'll be able to give that away later on in the show. And then a slew of Twitter questions. Most of them just involving the team's play right now, and that's what we intend to discuss starting in mere moments. So um, I say we go ahead and, and delve into that. I think we used to joke last season it would feel like the Preds would win two out of three games in a week, but then like the game that they would lose would be the ugly one right before we had to record the show. (laughs) And so everyone's in a bad mood. Everyone's like, what's wrong? (laughs) Exactly. That's kind of what this situation is like. Um, But quickly, because I know we're all recency biased and we want to talk about the Arizona Coyotes game, but let's do start at the beginning, which of course was uh, on Saturday afternoon uh, when the Preds took on the Kings. I think you probably would have called that the worst game of the road trip didn't like the effort from the Preds in that one but then maybe Thursday's game rivals that where the Preds I think it was only 12 shots on goal through the first two periods yeah but then boy does the offense perk up the effort perks up and they tie that game at 4 to 4 after entering the third period 4 to 1 and you're like Oh wow.
1: Oh, there was there, there was no doubt <laughs> what's going to happen next. Well, and for for us sitting upstairs and then and talking to the guys afterward in that LA game, like once they tied it at 4, there was honestly no doubt that they were at least going to overtime. Mm-hmm. Like I think when they when LA scored and of course the score looks much worse than it is because So L.A. takes the lead 5-4 with a minute left, not even a minute left. Yes, under a minute to go. Incredibly quickly, they get an empty netter. Mm -hmm. And then they get another one, which didn't officially count as an empty netter because Yusay Saros hadn't even made it to the bench yet. Don't love that for the GAA. so that doesn't help him out. That makes everybody look worse. Mm -hmm. But so that one was disappointing. That was really the theme is, one... The Predators felt like, yeah, like we got, we got, like LA was, ho- it was their home opener. They were fired up. They were ready to go. The Predators weren't able to match that mm-hmm. at the start. Of course, like you said, they tied it in the third period. And from that point on, because they had just come back against Washington two nights earlier in yes. the
0: third period. So they're like, well, yeah, I think we, can- we put that in the recap. I was like, oh, they're just going to sure. come back from multi guy, multi goal deficits every game now
1: yeah yeah so that like that was the feeling that we're at least going <laughs> uh-huh. to overtime. Sure. and so then when that happens like that's really disappointing because you feel like you're at least going to squeak out a point on the road in your first road game of the season 100 that doesn't happen they're disappointed with that but then to go to vegas and like vegas I, I think i think we've said it on this program before like to me vegas is the only arena t-mobile arena is the only building in the national hockey league that rivals ro- what we have at bridgestone arena hmm. like it's loud in there The fans are standing from the moment the team comes on the ice, which does not happen Mm -hmm. hardly any other arena in the league. Like it's it's crazy how much different Nashville and Las Vegas are as far as atmospheres in their building than just about anyone else in the league. So that's a tough building to go into to begin with. Right. And then the Golden Knights are really good. I was gonna say
0: that. Like the Golden Knights are my team to win the Pacific division. And then others have them in the Western Conference and Stanley Cup final conversation. So Yeah, they're even better than they were last year and maybe even their first season on, on talent. Again, like you're seeing some of these names and you're like Mark Stone, Max Pacioretty, Paul Statsny, like I mean, they've really built up the offense um and then they've even got some young guys again. It's crazy how that expansion draft worked out, that they were able to start with as much talent as they did and yet still got a slew of draft picks from teams making side deals or protecting guys. They had two of their first-round picks. Didn't they have three overall in that first year? Two of them were playing in that game as well. So it's like this is going to be a good team for a lot of years. That – first season in the league was not a flash in the pan, and they've just continued to get better. Mark Stone is one of the best players in the league, yeah. in my opinion. No, he's he's a very
1: good player. He, of course, came over in that trade with Ottawa. Yeah. And so Vegas is up 2-1 after one period. Mm-hmm. Again, the Preds are, you know, it's they started okay. Like, that first five minutes, that was pretty good in Vegas. They got one early, and yeah. then Vegas caught up. They, they got into their rhythm, but the Preds were really happy with the way they shut them down. I think you and I were saying after that game that this was arguably, and I asked a couple of the players as well, I said, is it fair to say that tonight was the best overall effort that you've seen mm-hmm. through at that point? It was six games in the season, and, and that was that was pretty much the sentiment that, yeah, we scored five goals again, but we shut the opposition down on a really high-octane opposition at that. Mm-hmm. So the Predators get three in the second period to go up uh, by a 4-2 count. At that point, they got one more in the third period, got a few to go on Mark andre Fleury. And uh, really, really shut Vegas down. Pekarine was still really good. Ryan Ellis said after that Vegas game, he was still better than we would have wanted him to be. We don't necessarily want him having to make some of the saves that he had to make. Um, But overall, Marc Andre Fleury was good too. Marc Andre Fleury is really good. He could have had more than five. Exactly. He made a couple huge saves in the third period. The Predators easily could have won six, seven, eight, two, Mm -hmm. Uh, honestly, like if it weren't for Fleury in that third period. So. Um, But the Predators were really happy with how they shut things down in the second and third period. So the way that the L.A. game went to bounce back against a really good Golden Knights team, that was a positive. For me, that was the biggest positive on the road trip Mm -hmm. was to show that, yes, we didn't like what happened in L.A. and we
0: did something about it. And
1: Mm -hmm. we went into Vegas against a really good team in a really good building and won that hostile environment on the road.
0: Here's what I want to do. So we're approaching the 10 game mark already. And so I think we're starting to get some statistical significance. We're we're finally starting to see who this predators team, what this predators team is, how the personnel uh, works together. So I think there's three topics out of that that I want to discuss. The first one is is the offense here to stay? I mean, I don't use the word miraculously, but if you look across the history of this franchise, being the number one scoring offense just has not been a factor. Again, I know the numbers will come down a little bit after only two goals on Thursday night, but. The Preds were averaging more than 4.6 goals per game. And if you just look at it on the score uh, across the schedule, you're like, wow, they've basically scored five goals in every game. Um and then the power play of course w- was shut out on Thursday night, but this is still crazy to me. So, last season the Preds did not have more than three games in a row in which they scored a power play goal, and they were up to five leading into Thursday's game. So, that's my first main question. Is the offense here to stay? My second will be, you know, what's up with the defense because it feels like Maybe a Jekyll and Hyde situation that you've got all the offense, but now you're allowing more goals than you traditionally have under the Peter Laviolette era. And then second is the goaltending. We had a lot of questions about that. Pecorine, you say Saros, what's going on um, in-, in net between those two? Allow me to do this as potentially a bad host. Let's move Mikhail Granlund to the third segment. <laughs> wow, audible! I know we're we're already running. We're about to run over in this first one, so let's move into the to the third so that we can continue this discussion over the next two. We we have some time in this first one though, so let me hear your thoughts first on the offense. And again, unfortunately, a big piece of that missing right now in Philip Forsberg. Yeah, well, and so we got a lot of
1: questions as well on the things you mentioned: the offense, the defense, the goaltending. Yeah, so so we want So let's let's cover those things. You mentioned Philip Forsberg; he leaves the Vegas game. Uh, due to a lower body injury coach said after that game he was being evaluated then the next day in Arizona mm-hmm. Phillip was named a game time decision ultimately he does not go on Thursday night and he is day-to-day with a lower body injury so the fact that it's day-to-day is obviously good doesn't sound right. like it's going to be a long-term thing Daniel Carr jumps into the lineup uh, for Forsberg in Arizona unfortunately and this is kind of the disappointing thing with an injury Phillips' point streak officially stops Mm -hmm. uh, with him being out of the lineup. When he comes back, if he does continue to get points in consecutive games, it'll be a personal point streak, if you will, but that record-setting that that record point streak, that franchise record point streak to start the season, unfortunately, comes to an end. Um, But the offense, you mentioned it, it did go down from 4.67 to 4.29 goals per game. That is still first in the NHL as we record this on Friday afternoon. Uh, the offense, I tell you what, and something that was asked after Vegas, because all four lines scored, and a power play goal was scored, mm-hmm. and we talked to Nick Benino, who got that fifth goal in Vegas afterward, and I said to him, "Is can you put your fingers? Is there anything that sticks out to you as to why the goals have been coming at the rate that they have been so far to start?" And he just said, "We're really deep," and I think we knew that coming mm-hmm. in. We looked at this on paper, this lineup on paper, and said, "Wow." Obviously, you're going to have to see guys produce, but looking at it and saying, okay, there's some scoring capability in every single line here, and it's not going to happen every night. Arizona is a perfect example of it. Over the course of 82 games, you're not going to score five goals every night. But the Predators are a really deep team up front, especially. And you're seeing classic examples of that over these first five, six, seven games. Is that everybody has the capability to score? We know how good the Duchesne line's been. Right. Unfortunately, Philip Forsberg not in there the last game, but Duchesne, Forsberg Granlund's been fantastic. Kelly yarncrock has gone up with Ryan Johansson mm-hmm. and Victor Arvidson. Yarncrock had a goal in Vegas. He's I think he's looked pretty good on that mm-hmm. line. Kyle Turris mostly been playing center. He's had Rocco Grimaldi on his wing, who has come back in. Austin Watson has been down there. Craig Smith and then Nick Benino. Colton Sissons, Smith was up with them for a little bit. Mm-hmm. So you've you've got capability right. just about everywhere. And I think the depth is the number one reason, is that you like what the lines look like at this point, and they did get switched around a little bit in Arizona. Mm-hmm. And, of course, when Forsberg comes back, he'll go right back with Duchesne and Granlin, one would assume. But I, I think the combinations that have been tried so far have worked well for the most part. And although they're not perfect and they will continue to be tweaked as the season goes on, depending on what happens, but things look really good right now from a depth standpoint. And then the power play as well. The power play is a huge factor into that because you're getting chances on just about every opportunity and you're
0: capitalizing on them as well. Yeah, you, you, you really are able to see the difference immediately on the power play. I think a huge credit of that goes to Dan Lambert, the new assistant coach this year, and then what Matt Duchesne has added as well. And I think there's also just been this philosophy of let's quit doing how we've, let's quit doing things how we've done it for years. Like, okay, that's even worked in the past, or we used to do it like this in the past on the main advantage. Just get that out the window. Let's start from the drawing board. Um, I've liked the variance they've shown on entering into the zone, like just not dumping it in, trying Mm -hmm. different ways to get into the zone. And then again, I think the number one thing that you notice quickly is just how fast the puck moves from one player to the other Um, and and it's really opened up a lot of opportunities and I think that's that's very encouraging and and like you were saying about the depth I think the power play is one of those things right it's like you're looking at a game and you're thinking well they average four or five goals a game how is that going to happen you know it's not like a Toronto Maple Leafs where you're thinking well Austin Matthews will get a goal and Mitch Marner will probably get a goal and then the power play will get two goals you know like you can almost formulate how it's going to happen like even the Washington Capitals recent opponent Okay, well, if they're going to get to five goals, Alex Ovechkin's probably going to have two goals. And, you know, this sort of thing's going to happen. It's not that way with the Preds because of that depth. It's like one power play goal, one from the Duchesne line, maybe one from the Turris line. Again, Turris, in a sense, had two goals uh, against Vegas. I know Benino gets the tip on the one mm-hmm. power play goal. But good to see him playing a lot better as well. Um, and so I think that was one of the knocks going into this season was a lot of people saying, you know, do you really want to invest that much money in your centers? Do you really want to invest that much at forward? Um, and again, we'll get to the defense in just a moment. But it's it's worked on the offense. Like, yes, yeah. it, maybe it's not ideal to have a six million dollar center on maybe your third or fourth line. Fourteen players have
1: <laughs> at least one goal right
0: now. But yeah, anyway. but when Kyle Turris has essentially two goals in a game, great. I, I don't care that he's yeah. on a third or a fourth line. And yes, the Philip Forsberg injury has really you know messed that up and derailed that a bit. But I think you have so many options. I think Dan Lambert's presence, and I think just this new philosophy, like, don't underestimate the fact that, like, Dan Muse, Dan Lambert, they're Mentioning other things on the structure and the system in practice as well. It's not as if Dan Lambert's only allowed to raise his ideas when it comes to the power play. Like, even just some of the movement you've seen in the offensive zone, I've like to, to see how much more has been taking place amongst the forwards, how much they've been generating. When I feel like in years past under the Peter Laviolette system, it was simply, hey, take the three guys down low, wait, the defenseman will pinch, like, he get hit, hit him with the puck, and then we'll see if we can score. Yes, that's still an option, and the defensemen have roughly 25% of the goals so far, and that's good, but it's not the only option. There's so much more variability when it comes to the offensive zone. That's what you want to do. Make your offense complex so that it's hard to defend. All right, we've got the defense and goaltending coming up in the next segment. Let's hang on to that here on episode 57 of the Preds Official Podcast. We'll get into it in mere moments. Stick with us here on ESPN 1025, The Game.
2: Would you rewind?
0: To the Preds official podcast on ESPN 1025 The Game for Brooks Braddon, I'm Thomas Willis, each of us of NashvillePredators.com. Continuing our conversation as we approach the 10 game sample size for the Preds, we've learned a lot about the offense. And now, Brooks, we want to talk about, frankly, some of the defensive struggles we've seen um, so far, and then ultimately a little bit after that, how that factors into the goaltending. So, um, I guess I'll go first. I'll let you go first on offense. Uh, And this is just kind of some of my observations. We had a lot of people just asking, hey, four to five goals is awesome. Hey, Hey, four to five goals is awesome. But like giving up four to five goals, not as awesome. Not quite as awesome. And again, I I think part of it is still the newness of the season, still understanding your roles. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that's still a factor. And I think in part, it's some of the opponents that the Preds have played like, right i think you and i could point to five teams on the schedule right now and be like yeah that's a 2 to 1 game like I, I don't care if the pretz are scoring at a 4 to 5 goal clip just the nature of the structure and how that team plays will kind of lower down um that final score and i think we got that in part on thursday night that wasn't one of the points i was going to make but um the coyotes actually are allowing the fewest goals that even strength at 5 on 5 in the entire nhl and dave tippett their head coach has been known for years to be much like the Preds used to be, um, in the yes Dave Tippett in the days of yesteryear, Dave Tippett. What did I say? Rick Tockett. Rick Tockett. Yeah, sorry, that's what I meant. And Phil Housley. Wow. And Phil Housley. Yeah. Dave Tippett's what? going to going to uh, Edmonton. You know, I was watching the Oilers game last night, and I guess that popped in my brain. I don't know why. Dave the, Tippett. Rick Tockett. Dave Tippett, Tippett was Rick. there for years. Yeah, he was. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Rick Tockett, known for his defensive structure, and reminds me of what the Preds used to be when maybe they didn't have quite as much talent. Um, and really would set up kind of a neutral zone trap, which is a term you've probably heard. But, you know, really putting maybe a, a two forwards forward and then two defensemen and then another forward. So a 2-3 back um, to try and clog the neutral zone and slow down the opposition. And that's really what happened to the Preds on Thursday night. The power play inflates the score. Um, but, I mean, you saw it. The Preds were only able to get three shots on goal uh, in the first period. So I think those games are going to continue to come. Um for me, overall, on the, defensive strug- uh, on the defensive struggles a bit, I think there's still some understanding of how the structure works in the defensive zone. Like, I've still noticed some, you know, oh, I'm taking this guy now, you take that guy, I'm going to rotate with him. I think you've seen just a few guys pop open and then be able to, you know, take some high-danger opportunities on the net. I mean, that's not ideal. And then you've also just seen, and this is, kind of the way the Predators are playing overall right now, they're taking more chances. They're spending more time in the offensive, yeah. offensive zone. And because of that, you're going to allow more rushes. Um, and again, a lot of teams play that way. They think, hey, we can outscore you. But for example, that second goal in Vegas, the Preds had just had some chances in the offensive zone, goes back the other way. Um, Dan Hamey actually makes a good play to block the pass, but then he goes right to Riley Smith and he scores. Uh, so I think there's a little bit of a philosophy change there by how much time um, you're spending. And then finally, I, I would say you're still seeing Dante Fabro go into his role mm-hmm. a little bit. I mean, this is a kid that's not even played 20 games, including the playoffs in Although the NHL. I, I thought he was one of the best players on Thursday I, in uh, in Arizona. I thought he was too. Again, I'm not I'm not trying to be a rain cloud here. No, but sure. I'm just saying like he's going to get a lot better, and I think that's good. I think higher draft pick, of course, but we saw that as Predators fans with Seth Jones. Like you knew he was going to be good. You knew he was going to be one of the better players in the league, but you also knew it was going to take some time to get there. I think that's what we're seeing a bit from Fabro right now as well. Well, and funny, you should mention the rush defense.
1: Yes. Because that was something that was brought up when we were out there, in particular Ryan Ellis and Matias Ekholm. So Ellis said it after the Vegas game that it wasn't necessarily the defensive zone coverage that the Predators were more concerned about. It was a lot of times the defense off the rush and and combating those those teams in transition. So I asked Matias Ekholm, who's always one of my favorite people to talk to, one of the more insightful folks in the Predators' locker room. I talked to him in Arizona and said, the rush defense, Ryan Ellis was mentioning that the other day. How do you describe that? What what does he mean by that? What exactly are you looking for? on the rush defense, and this is a story, by the way, on NashvillePredators.com. Hello. That you can take a look at if you missed it, but Matias said, and I'll read the quote here, I think it's interesting, said, quote, rush defense is really hard these days because there's a lot of spinoffs, delays, and then their fourth and fifth man can be coming up in the zone. Maybe our forward is a little bit behind him. So maybe a little more communication and working together. Maybe we can play a bit more of a team game to keep them to, to keep the opposition on the outside until our fifth guy gets back. It's about communication. It's about knowing what the situation is like because every situation is different. And what he means by that is just simply making some different reads on on how the opposition is attacking you. And this isn't mm-hmm. just the defenseman. It's the forwards getting back too, as he said. And I think we've seen that a number of times. We saw it in Arizona on a number of occasions. Is that the Predators may be coming down on an odd man rush and the shot goes wide, or the goaltender, goaltender makes a save, the rebound bounces out to one of his teammates, and all of a sudden here come the Coyotes, two, three, four men strong, and the Predators are the ones that have to get back. So maybe it's, it's those situations, and when it's a simple fact of the game, right? Like when you're, when you're attacking and you're going down on an, on an odd man rush and you don't score, there is a chance that the puck is going to take a bounce, and all of a sudden the other team has a two-on-one, a three-on-one, a four-on-two, whatever the case is. And that's something that you've got to read and react to, and and you can't always do it successfully. That was something else that Ekholm said. It's really mm-hmm. it's really hard in this league because every team is so good. There's so many good players on every roster. There's so much speed and skill out there. It's really hard to play yep. perfect defense yep. every night. It's yep. just it's just not going to happen. Yeah. Yep. But the issue is trying to eliminate those mistakes as much as possible, and that was something else that Ekholm said. That look, it's early, and you've brought this up as well. This is the time of year where you're going to get the six, five, seven, six mm-hmm. games more often than maybe you'll see later in the season because you've got new line combinations, you've got new defensive pairings, you've got people who maybe aren't necessarily as comfortable with each other as you see at the end of a season once you've had a number of months to play together, build that chemistry. Mm-hmm. And this is the time of year, time of year that those things are going to happen. Mm-hmm. And I think that bleeds right into the goaltending situation people look at it say pecorino is four and oh you saros is oh and three you saros would be the first one to tell you yes i would i wish i would be playing better right now i need to be playing better right now but after arizona saros made 27 saves and coach laviolette said after the game it could have been a lot worse if it wasn't for him mm-hmm. I, I think unfortunately and i don't know that there's anything more to this i think unfortunately for for juice at this point Nashville's worst efforts defensively in front of him mm-hmm. have come when he's been in net. Mm-hmm. Not that they, not to say that, like, oh, we're going to play better because Pekka's in net tonight. Right. I, I think just, unfortunately, the way that the season has gone to this point through seven games, when UC Saros has been in there, the Predators, for whatever reason, have just not, unfortunately, been as sharp in front of him as maybe they have been in front of Pekka.
0: This will start to sound like an excuse when I'm going to come around at the end and, and try to make a point um i've heard a few players say this over the years uh, i've almost gotten to the point where i kind of like joke and laugh when i hear some when i hear hear a hockey player talk about consistency well why why aren't we more consistent like why don't we win every game five to one i mean come on right like uh i've heard a few players say like you were talking about the rush defense it's like there's another team out there too like you realize that right like they're trying to win they're a good hockey team as well and Hockey's just different in sports in the fluidity of how you're on one end and how quickly you know they're getting a chance on your end and it's going back and forth and up and down the ice and the possession is going to change and you're just not going to have 65 percent possession every night and dominate teams and, and grind them uh, you know down and win night after night after night. And, well, what did, what did friend of the show Chris Johnston tell us last season? And this is simplifying it in the most general
1: of terms, but when it comes down to it. You've got professional athletes with blades on their feet on a sheet of ice chasing around a bouncing piece of three-inch rubber. Right. How can you possibly predict what is going to happen? How can you possibly have consistency, have the same effort night in yeah. at night after night yeah. after night when those are the conditions that you're playing under? Yeah, it's the way the
0: game is. Yeah, exactly. So I just I feel like there's sometimes this angst of man, why did the opposition get ten good chances against us tonight? hello, like, <laughs> they're trying to, like, it's, that's going to happen, like, yeah. just make sure you have 15, you know, or, or you know, do your best, and, 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 and you're, you we're talking about UC Stars and kind of how it's worked, but, like, tough spot on the home opener against Los Angeles, you're right there, Detroit, a team that the Preds have beaten, I think, a single time under Peter LaViolette, that, I mean, that's a tough, a tough way to go, and then. I really didn't like the effort on Thursday night. I think there's some to blame there. Uh, No, it it it, wasn't good. They, the Predators said that. They, they said we got what we deserved. It It, wasn't exactly, exactly. But, but then again, I mean, two power play goals inflates the score a bit. Um, if you have a better start, if you find a way, again, hockey isn't like football, for example, in that like you have the clear 50 yard pass and the receiver drops it in the end zone. You're like, that's the reason we lost. You just look at the final score. You remember different parts and you forget. Victor Arvidsson should have had two goals in the first period. Like, are you kidding me? Oh, two, sure. He had a two-on-one that I still am not entirely sure how he didn't score. Yeah. And well, you brought up the Predators only had three shots
1: in that first yeah. period in Arizona. Yeah. How many chances did they have? Exactly. There were a lot that missed the net. They
0: could have easily had a couple goals in the first period. And maybe that is maybe maybe those are excuses. <laughs> I said it was going to sound like an excuse. Maybe it was. But I guess it's easy to write the final story once you see a hockey game complete. You're like, oh, yep, that's how it went. I just mm-hmm. know that's how it went. So. Yes, I think it's a variety of things right now, but it wasn't even that long ago that say Saros started out 0 3 in a season. And we were having this various conversation of, guess he's not ready. You know, guess Pex has to play 75 games again this year. You're going to have to show some patience and ride that out a little bit because, in order for Pecorino to continue to be as good as he has been, Then he needs the rest. He needs more than he's ever needed before because he's a guy that's about to be 37 years old. That's the point that he's at in his career. And again, like the offense has just worked out in some certain situations for him that it just didn't for UC Prime example, he allowed five goals against the Washington Capitals. The Preds just happened to score six. Mm -hmm. Against the Kings, the effort wasn't much better. They were a minute away, should have gone to overtime, should have, you know, could have even won there. So uh, again, maybe that is the issue. I'm sitting here saying, We're almost ten games. The sample size is relative, but it's also not at the same time. We we got a ways to go. So I think the moral of that, UC is
1: going to get better, and the team in front of him is going to get better as we go along.
0: Yeah, I I think so. So I do think that the lesson I've learned from roughly again these ten games is that the Preds are going to be willing to take some more chances, are going to be able to score a few more goals than they have been in the past, and I think we maybe need to get used to that to being a new normal. Like we're going to see four to three. I think a lot more than we've been seeing 2-1 to one over these years. So I think that's part of my lesson as well. And they're going to find that counterbalance point as these weeks go on um, and know you know exactly how to execute their systems, stop having as so many mistakes in the defensive zone, and it's going to improve. But it's, it's been fun so far overall uh-huh. watching a lot of these games. It's uh, entertaining at Notwithstanding. So, again, I, I wouldn't panic too much. Yes, there have been um, some bigger issues, but y- you get – Philip Forsberg back into the lineup hopefully soon, and I think you see a different you see a different game from the Preds. So uh, we'll see. They have a three game home stand coming up starting Saturday night um, against the Florida Panthers. So again, you know, kind of avenging that loss on Thursday comes up pretty quickly. That's the nice thing about the NHL, and we'll see if they're able to get back to some of their higher quality on offense while not as allowing um, as much on the defensive end like they did on Tuesday against the Golden Knights. I think that's more of the type of game they want to look forward to. Let's go ahead and let you uh, listen to that interview with Mikhail Grandlin, um coming up here in this third segment. Um, that's all on the Preds Official Podcast on ESPN, 1025 The Game.
1: Welcome back to the Predators' official podcast here on ESPN 1025 The Game. Brooks Bratton here in Glendale, Arizona as the Predators continue along with their three-game road trip. Pleased to be joined by Mikhail Granlund, your second appearance on the Preds' official podcast. So first off, welcome back.
2: Thank you. Thanks. Good to be back.
1: So as we get started in this 2019-20 season, it's of course your first full season with the team. And I remember talking in training camp a little bit about... Just how much more comfortable you were feeling having the chance to start the season here. You get settled in Nashville. How has it been for you here the last couple of weeks, getting settled in and, and getting back on the ice with your club here?
2: Uh, it's been awesome. Just to start from the training camp and you know um, these uh, few games we've had already this season. So uh, it's been really fun and you know uh, just much more comfortable and uh, you know all everybody, whole family settled in and everything. So. Uh, uh, i really love nashville can i say that one yeah
1: okay so what do you love about nashville now that you've had a little bit of a chance to explore and, and get settled
2: in there just you know come here and you know now you know a little bit you know people and you know spots and you know just pretty much hang out and and everything hockey wise we have such a great team and it's uh, it's been awesome obviously our first four games were at home and it's always rocking there so uh uh i've been it's really nice to be here and uh, you know uh, i've had a lot of
1: fun i remember a couple games ago matthew shane was saying one of your line mates of course was saying that he'd been in the building so many times as a visitor and it gets loud and and the fans feel like they're on top of you and it's it's kind of intimidating as an opponent did you experience that with minnesota and how nice is it to be on that side of it now
2: oh yeah it's uh, I, I love it to be on this side you know uh, it, it gets loud and uh, they really get on you, uh, you if you're the op- opponent so uh, i mean uh, obviously it's i'm really happy to be at uh, the, the home side and um but it, it's rocking every single time and um it's great and it gives us uh so much energy and uh, you can feel it uh in the building you know uh, when the crowd gets gets into it you know like you know, we, we really build off of that and um it's a really uh special uh, experience
1: your line has really been tearing it up duchene philip forsberg on the other wing as well you guys were together i believe coach put you out the first day of training camp um together and, and a couple different looks but you were together on opening night you haven't been broken up what has that experience been like and how have you three been able to to find that chemistry so quickly
2: Uh, Well, you know, it's just one of those things, I guess. Um, Obviously, uh, I think all three of us, um, we all can make some plays and, you know, hold on to the puck and, uh, uh, and, you know, it's just kind of, you know, sometimes when it's kind of clicking, it's just every time you go on the ice, it's going to be fun, you know, something might happen and uh, we've been able to create a lot of offense and chances and, uh, you know, um, It's been a really, really nice first uh, six games and, uh, you know, hopefully we can keep it up. But, you know, it's just about, you know, working hard and, you know, go out there and have fun. And we all know how to play. And, you know, uh, uh, like I said, it, it should be a fun rest of the season.
1: I want to go back to when you were first traded here. Uh, At the trade deadline last season, and we of course know that your wife had gone into labor right away, and you had the baby, and you joined the team a couple days late, and it was quite a whirlwind. So now, when you look back on that, what was that experience like having having a child, joining the team, getting traded, all those sorts of things? How do you look back and and view that now? What was that time like for you?
2: Well. Uh, there was a lot going on I, I i remember that and you know it's just you barely even remember anything of that you know you just needed to go go to other place and uh, the first child is just born and you know there was a lot of things going on obviously and um <clears throat> but that's one of the things you know just to get here you know from the training camp and have your family here right away and you know everything settled in it's just everything's so much more comfortable and uh but obviously uh, yeah but that's the part of the game here you know you might get traded and you might have a baby at the same time you know who knows so that's just life i guess so uh you know that's one of those experiences that uh i got to have and uh you know uh that's the nature of this uh, game i guess
1: how is life as a father how's it been for you the last few months
2: It's been great. Uh, Family really loves it here, and uh, you know uh, everything. It's been awesome. I mean, um, I'm really enjoying, uh, obviously, playing hockey and you know with this team and and uh, how we've been playing. And you know, uh, and uh, it's always nice, you know, when your wife is happy and (laughs) everybody's happy. So uh, you know, uh, it's been a really good uh, uh, first couple of months here.
1: some of the other dads on the team that we've talked to before say that sleep is sometimes an issue have you been getting much sleep what's that like
2: uh i've been fortunate to get a little bit sleep yeah uh my wife is pretty good about that and um and uh baby has been pretty good sleeper so uh and uh you know obviously getting on the road once in a while you sleep in a little bit so (laughs) you gotta take advantage of that but you know uh it's been awesome, and, uh, and you know, uh, that's something I really enjoy to be a father.
1: I want to try this as we conclude here. We'll, since you've been here for the last little bit now, I want to ask you about some of your teammates and maybe what you've gotten to know about them over the last few months being around them, either a funny story or the way that they play on the ice, maybe what impresses you. So I'll give you a name of a teammate and just tell me whatever first thing that comes to mind, okay? So... Let's go over their line mates first, Philip Forsberg.
2: Really, really smart guy and uh, a great hockey player and a uh, really good uh, human being.
1: Matt Duchesne.
2: That's just such a skilled player, and uh, you can tell like he loves hockey and he loves to be here in Nashville.
1: Roman Yossi.
2: The captain. Uh, he's. Uh, He's a, obviously one of the best teammen in the league, but he's, he's a great guy in the locker room, and um, you know uh, I really enjoyed to uh, be with him.
1: Ryan Johansson.
2: Oh, the big boy. Uh, <laughs> tries to be funny all the time, and you know uh, sometimes he is, but a lot of times he's not. But you know <laughs> he's he, he just loves to win. He, he he's a real team guy, and uh, uh, great to be around him.
1: Let's do your fellow Finns, the goaltender first, Juice, Jose Saros.
2: Uh, Well, I gotta be honest. I think he's one of the best kept secrets in the league. You know, he's such a good goalie. He's gonna be a really, really good goalie in this league. And uh, every, you know, you see him every single day and how he works and uh, how good he is. He's he's gonna be an exceptional goalie.
1: And then finally, Pegarine.
2: Well, he specs the chief. What can you say?
1: That's all that needs to be said, right? Yeah,
2: yeah, exactly.
1: Well, Granny, thanks for doing this. Here's to a few more uh, mornings to sleep in here on the road. But thank you again. I appreciate it. Thank you. The Predators official podcast concludes as we get to your Twitter questions from the week. And we've got a giveaway for you once more. That's all next on the POP here on ESPN 1025 The Game. Fourth and final segment of the Predators official podcast, episode 57 here on ESPN 102.5 The Game, streaming on the Game Nashville app. Brooks Bratton and Thomas Willis, both of us of NashvillePredators.com, both of us Chainsmokers fans, right? That's fair to say. I'm bigger than you are, probably. I'd say much so. They're fine. They're fine. They're fine. Big old fan. Uh, they're at the Bridgie <laughs> yes. Sunday night after yes. the Predators play the Panthers on Saturday night, mm-hmm. uh, so check that out. If you're a smokers fan like we are. Likely uh, will be lit,
0: as the kids say these lit days.
1: Lit? Hype? Yes. Is that a thing kids say, Calvin? You're young and hip. Hype is dying for sure. <laughs> hype? Yeah, hype. The hype in this segment no, is hype, dying yes. for sure. Yeah, kind of, sort of. You know, <laughs> We're going to try to get you hype right now. Yes, let's, with, let's do some winners here. Well, so first off, yes, yeah. we have our last week. It was a autographed USA hockey hat. So autographed, by David Boyle. autographed by David Poyle. Autographed by David Poyle. Uh, the man himself, Tyler Hickman. Congratulations Tyler! to Tyler Hickman, the winner of an autographed USA Hockey hat from Mr. David Poyle.
0: I will reach out to you, find a way to get you that hat. Yes, Thomas? I have an idea here, so I'm going to steal this one from you. Today's giveaway, or this week's giveaway, yes? is a mini helmet, Preds mini helmet, helmet autographed by Ryan Johansson. Sure is. The way you enter, hashtag Preds Podcast on Twitter, of course, but tell us who you would like us to interview next on the show and i'll even go bonus points again we got to be able to get this guest so like (laughs) (laughs) let's like shoot for the stars but like let's keep it in the
1: stratosphere but i was going
0: to say bonus points i'd be i'd love to hear if you were interested in someone else who works for the preds maybe it's a different job like we've done this in the past like hey here's the guy that you know blows the goal horn and manages you know the game operations Uh, for example we've done that interview if there's somebody else in the organization, something else maybe even in hockey that you'd love to hear, don't say Nash because Nash doesn't talk. Yeah, that would just Sorry. that would just be a waste of 12 minutes of airtime. Again, <laughs> and again, players of course, we talked them all the time. Those are great answers too, but I, yeah. I was just genuinely curious. We're going to i like that give the potential to give you a prize but also you know do some crowdsourcing and make the show better for you trying to pick people
1: to talk to is hard so any ideas that you have who would you like to hear from and we'll see if we
0: can make something happen one of these days we should interview all the producers we've had on this show at once amazing that'd be fantastic (laughs) six people at this point (laughs) maybe more all right coming up on november the 18th the inaugural Catch and Deers, Mike Fisher, Celebrity Sporting Clay Shoot, presented by Implement Now. Yes, that is the whole title. Um, but this is a very cool, very new event. You, of course, remember Mike Fisher, a former Preds captain, a great outdoorsman hope, in his I would own hope right. Yes, I would hope so. He's not been gone that long. Um, so again, this is a new event. Uh, it's going to take place on that Monday. There's you know food, there's fun, there's shooting clay objects that are flying through the air. <laughs> With um, Mike, Mike, and, Mike, Mike and Fisher his will be there. Celebrity other, friends. Other celebrities will be there. Yeah. So you'll be paired up on a team with them. Um, very, very cool there. NashvilleBetters.com is the place to go. I mean, again, tickets still available, teams still available. Go check that out. Again, it's a new event. So check it out for the first time. I, again, I can't say from personal experience how awesome it's going to be, but it seems pretty awesome.
1: Before we get to your questions, we did have a correction we wanted to make from last week. Yes. So, Daily asked about. Guys like Philip Tomasino, Igor Afanasiev going back to juniors as opposed to going to the American Hockey League. So something in our fit of brilliance, I think it glossed past both of us, was that Mm -hmm. CHL-NHL agreement. So what that is, the National Hockey League, the Canadian Hockey League have an agreement that says that teenagers have to go back to their junior teams if they're not going to be in the NHL. In other words, when a signed player aged 18 or 19 who was claimed from a CHL club and is not retained by the NHL club, they must be assigned back to that CHL junior club with whom he last played for or owes a contractual obligation. For example, when the Predators drafted Philip Tomasino in the draft this year in Vancouver, Philip plays for the Niagara Ice Dogs of the Ontario Hockey League, part of the CHL, the Canadian Hockey League. Philip is also a teenager. Because Philip Tomasino did not make the Nashville Predators out of training camp, he has to go back to Niagara of the OHL yeah. to fulfill. It's one or the other.
0: It's NHL yes, or juniors. To fulfill
1: mm-hmm. that obligation. So yep. daily to answer your question, not that, yes. It just makes manager, it an even longer answer. Yes, yeah, so, <laughs> We should have told you this so, the first time. agree with your original question that, yes, David Poyle knows that they're also a couple of years from competing in the NHL, mm-hmm. but at the same time, they don't have a choice Guys like Tomasino Afanasiev have to go back to their junior
0: teams. All right, we got to speed it up because we have some lengthy answers to a numerous amount of questions. Um, Jack wants to know, with such a great start, there's been a lot of praise for several different guys, but who potentially has been glossed over and deserves some love that maybe isn't getting talked about? Um, And then you've put some names here. I, I definitely agree with your first two. Ryan Ellis is actually co-leading the team in points as we record yes, this. has um,
1: quietly picked up eight assists or seven games so and far. And
0: if you recall, two seasons ago was the one where he missed roughly half the year and then just blazed down the stretch. I mean, he was almost a point-per-game player. Mm-hmm. It was wild how good he was. And then last year, by his own admission, very very under, subpar rough year for him. Um, so I think we've seen a bit of a return of the Ryan Ellis that the Predators wanted when they gave him an eight-year contract um i guess last season and you so. kind of expect it from him but it's yeah. nice to see it's nice too. to see it, it not back. nobody's
1: mm-hmm. questioning it's like there's the ryan ellis of old he's mm-hmm. back and i think kyle Turse yep. is another one too and we've Agreed. talked we've talked about him a lot on the program two goals and three assists uh through these first seven games not lighting the world on fire per se but looks a lot better i loved his feed to dante Fabro in arizona that's some great situational awareness to find Fabro streaking in mm-hmm. he had a beautiful tip in, uh, in the Vegas game, a tip-in, he had that one timer that was barely tipped in by Benino. So like
0: you were saying, essentially two goals in Vegas. Let me say this. When that play occurred live, I thought it was Ryan Ellis. The slap shot was so hard. Again, I was watching on TV, and I was like, was that Ryan Ellis who just took that slap shot? I was like, oh my gosh, that was Kyle Turris yeah. that just destroyed that hockey puck. That was quite impressive. Um, and then friend of show, Elliot Freeman, Sportsnet insider, he said that was not Kyle Turris that was on the ice last year. He said he needs to be better. He has been so far. And likewise, we talked about this on the last episode as well. Same thing with Mikhail Granlin. They are in some pivotal roles, especially Granlin getting to play with Duchesne and Forsberg pretty much uh, to start this season. He's got to deliver. He's got to be a 50, 60-point guy. Um, if this offense is going to get to where the team needs it to. And then finally, sneaky, Nick, Bonino, three Nick Benino, three goals. Three yep. goals in his last four games even. Sneaky that he has all that.
1: Well, and I like to Jack's question, too. He asked it a few days ago, and a number of you actually replied to Jack's I, I, Jack,
0: here is the answer.
1: <laughs> they pe- I can't wait. People had things to say. So when I would agree with a lot of the responses. Ryan Ellis and Kyle Church, I think, are the yep. top two for me.
0: All right. Wow. Wow. I think this is context that you need to hear, but we're going to try to explain all this briefly because we don't want you falling asleep at the wheel as you're likely driving your car while you listen to this. Josh wants to know, curious why the Preds have been staying below the roster cap. So as, you, as we all know, Preds are 22 players as of, as of this recording. And Daniel Carr was put on waivers earlier on the road trip and then was not assigned, as some people assume that he would be, after he cleared. So let's clear up some confusion there and then also explain why, you know, they aren't necessarily at the 23 limit right now.
1: Yes. So any player can be put on waivers at any time unless you have a no movement clause. Daniel's car does not have a no movement clause. If that player clears, the team has the option of sending him to the minors or keeping him in the NHL. I think a lot of people assume that mm-hmm. they're putting him on waivers. He clears he's automatically going to Milwaukee. To me it's
0: like a qualifying step. You must yep. clear waivers then the team has the decision. It is not a if then statement. You don't just go on waivers and then immediately get sent to the minor league.
1: Yep, so that wasn't the case. The Preds keep him up here. He can then go up and down in an unlimited amount of times for either 30 unlimited. days or 10 NHL games played at which time he would then be subject to waivers again if he was up and the team wanted to send him down.
0: Another quick clarifying point for older fans I guess that's me and you that sounds bad <laughs> we're not that old <laughs> we're not that old re-entry waivers do not exist anymore yeah. so that used to be a thing where you'd like clear waivers and then in order to get the player back up to the NHL you'd be like well great we can lose him again and the salary's reduced that's not a thing so that's why that 10 games and 30 days becomes a factor so like Daniel Carr bless his heart <laughs> yeah. he, he could go back and forth to Milwaukee a lot over this next month or again it, or if he gets into 10 games so he's obviously burned I guess one since then, so um, we'll see where he he goes from there. Again, you don't want to put a guy on waivers, but it is – based on the number of professional games he has played. like It's kind of a protection thing. So he had to clear in order for the Preds to make a move. Philip Forsberg gets injured. The Preds decide we need to keep him here. We need to put him back in the lineup.
1: And then with regards to the roster limit and the Predators electing to not be up against yes. that 23-man limit. I like that, this, actually. Uh, yeah, that's simply a matter of just wanting players to keep playing and Got not get sitting action. on the mm-hmm. bench. The, Josh, the, the question asker, named players like Ellie Tolvin and Rem Pitlick That holds just as much truth for guys like Steven Santini, Freddie Goudreau, Mika Salamaki, Jared Tonorti. You would rather have them down in Milwaukee playing games than sitting up here and being healthy scratches.
0: To me, the prime example is a couple years ago when the Predators had eight defensemen, Matt Irwin, Anthony Boteto. They were not playing. Mm -hmm. But the Preds were scared to death, seemingly, that if they put one of those guys on waivers, they would lose them. And so even though they weren't able to play and they just were hanging around, Brad Hunt was in the conversation around that time as well. And so, and the fears were realized because, again, they ultimately do lose Anthony Boteto on waivers, uh, I think the next season. But, but still, the fact that they have the freedom to have Ellie Tolvin and Rim Pitt, like they do not go through the waivers process, they can come and go. They are getting high quality minutes in Milwaukee. They're on special teams, they're getting great chances. And, again, don't think like a – I've said this before, but don't think like a player needs to be here in order to get into the game. Like, legitimately, a guy could hop on a flight at noon and be playing in a game. Like, it's not a preventative thing. Like, oh, another guy gets hurt. What are we going to do? Why didn't we have 23 players on the roster? No, you could recall guys in a second, so I would not worry about that. All right, finally, a fun one to end on. Marissa, 10 seconds. Who serves the best media mail?
1: other than us
0: cuz ours is pretty
1: darn good here in Nashville. It's definitely improved. Yes. Sh- Chicago's good. Mm-hmm. Carolina's good. They always have barbecue. Carolina had a banana pudding in the preseason that was blech. lights out. Get fruit out of my dessert. Get <laughs> chocolate in instead. There's there's some good ones. And then the hot dogs in Montreal hot which I got criticized Montreal, for for
0: putting ketchup on my
1: hot dog last year. Remember that? Well, you must mustard, too. It was weird. It was so, fine. It was a mess, though. It was Tampa Bay has
0: delightful snacks, including cheddar goldfish. Yeah. Shout out to that. So yeah. trying to get that in press But you know press, what? Bristol Arena, we got giant chocolate chip cookies, and that's all you really we need in life. sure do. All right. For Brooks Bratton, follow him on Twitter and Instagram, at Brooks Bratton. I'm Tom A. Willis on Twitter. Uh, producer Calvin, of course, behind the controls once again for this show. This has been another episode of the Preds Official Podcast on ESPN 1025 The Game. For more about the show, to listen to past episodes, nashvillepredators.com slash podcast. Thanks to Mikhail Granlin for joining us joining us this week on the POP. Check us out on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn. We're on all your podcast delivery services. We really appreciate it when you rate, subscribe, and download. Thanks for another great week. Fall is here. We'll see you at the Bridgie this week,
1: Smashville.